Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17 14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Happy Friday, everybody. Our final Big Blue Kickoff Live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. John Schmuck, Paul Dottino. Of course, Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football giants. Joining us is friend of the program. You've seen him on our content a lot. Connor Rogers from NBC Sports. Connor, what's going on, brother? It's great to see you guys. We, our annual chat. Always a lot of fun, yes, man. Good always to be a with lot you of guys. fun. And we've been focusing on the top 10 a lot so far this week, so we know you dig deep. Okay. You can yep. find them on the Stock Exchange podcast, Talking NFL Draft the time with Trevor Sikama, who was our guest a couple days ago. Trevor mm-hmm. did a great job. So we want to focus on some day two names sure. for you, Connor. Who are some of the guys that, if your team's sitting at the top of round two, you're going to be sitting there around pick 27 on your knees praying to whoever you pray to that this guy might drop to me at the top of round two that you really like? I mean, think of some of the quarterbacks that could go in the first round or could not, right? I mean, you look at Michael Penix from Washington, phenomenal year. He's a guy that is kind of on that fringe around one. Even Bo Nix from Oregon, a lot of people are projecting him in round one, but every look at Will Levis last year, right? That's all you mm-hmm. need to say. So you look at some of those high-end quarterbacks, I think both are starters in this league, but if you can get them at the top of the second round instead of the back end of going into round one, that's something that's really exciting to me. Every Everyone's trying to figure out the wide receivers and how they go, right? The top 10 is easy. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors, they're top five players in this draft. Roma Dunze, Brian Thomas Jr., those guys are going to go really early. But when you look at the back end of round one, how about a speedster like Troy Franklin? He's someone who – Love him. I mean, awesome dude. It, Love he's him. going to absolutely fly. 4-3 flat is legitimately in range for a guy that's 6'2", 6'3". Mm-hmm. And runs routes pretty well, That's what I said to him. I got to sit down with him, and I was like, people don't re- give you enough credit for being a polished route runner. And the work he puts into that, his relationship with Bo Nix at college – and, and how about uh, Adonai Mitchell as well from Texas? He's mm-hmm. another guy, back end round one, top of day two, size, speed, wins down the field. Everybody's in this stare down of, man, these wide receiver, this wide receiver class is great. I got 14 in the top 75. That's pretty rare air. And how early are they going to go? Who's going to make it out of round one? And then you look at the Giants, right? Two more picks in the top 50 outside of yes. another first round pick. It's a weird divide, right, guys? Because you can get a great wide receiver at six, but you might be able to take a different position, a blue-chip position, and go get a wide receiver or two on day two because yeah. this class is just so talented. And how many – we see it every single year that the wide receivers that fall to day two and day three, there's always a handful that still go on to be superstars. All right, so because there are so many solid prospects, and I'll use the word solid in, in rounds right. two and three – is that going to make some teams a little less likely to mortgage those picks to move up in the first round? Yeah. Or not? No, I th- this happens every year now. Teams are looking. And now it depends on the type of team, right? If you're Kansas City or Buffalo, you're looking at what you have under center, and you're looking at how close you are every year. For Kansas City, they actually win the Super Bowl. For <laughs> Buffalo, it always feels like they're right there. 
you can be a little bit more aggressive because those teams typically don't go into camp and say, hey, we can watch nine rookies on a 53-man roster. They can't do that. So what are you doing with those picks? Go up and get a great player that you feel like can help you in the window you have right now. But when you look at the teams picking in the top 15, they might not want to give away that capital. One, This is a great draft, okay? If you have multiple picks like the Giants in the top 50, you're sitting there. If you're Joe Shane, you're like, I'm going to get three starters in the top 50, and these guys might start for me right out of the gate. We think they will. And the guy at six might be a Pro Bowl caliber player. I completely agree, especially if his name is Malik Neighbors or Brock Bowers, okay? So (laughs) when that comes out right there, I'm sitting there and going – Look at dates. I mean, the guards and centers that'll be there in the top 50s. Well, it's a great center class. I mean, and I know John Michael Schmitz was taken last year. Right. But these guys all have flexibility to play multiple spots on the interior offensive line. That's what mm-hmm. you have to keep in mind. Like Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon, the big center, he's 330 pounds at center. <laughs> At center, but he moves. He moves like a tackle. Right. That's a guy that if he, he could play guard in his sleep if he needed to. So this is a really, really good group at O line, wide receiver. Uh, it feels like really key positions if you're trying to put more points on the board. All right. So let's go through some of those names at the top of the second round on okay. the offensive line. Right. Okay. Let's say they either go wide receiver, and I guess we could touch on the quarterbacks at the end too. And they still need that. Guard or tackle, depending on how they think about Evan Neal. Who are some of the top of second round offensive linemen, interior or tackle, that you would that you think fans should have their eyes on? I mean, you look at Jordan Morgan from Arizona, a guy that is a left tackle in college, great feet. He can he was great at pulling in the run game. It was impressive. He's very mobile. He is very mobile. You wonder how the transition will be for him if he moves inside to guard. Can he drop his hips? Can he anchor, take on that kind of power? How quick you have to be off the ball as a guard because it's not the same runway as a tackle where you're dealing with these wide alignment edge rushers here it's point a to b but you got to get your hands up right away those right? hands are up it's you quick. drop your hips it's so much strength really in your legs and your butt mm-hmm. it's a lot to ask of these guys so morgan is a guy i'm interested to watch that transition there's guards though i don't worry about that transition because they actually play into your offensive line you think of dominic pooney from kansas yeah. you think mm-hmm. of like him christian haynes from uconn is a beast yes. Great senior bowl. oh my god he was the star of the senior bowl of the offensive lineman yeah. i mean nobody could beat him and he got in a little tussle with one of the lsu guys throwing helmets I loved that. Jordan energy. Jefferson. Jordan right? Jefferson. Helmet. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He, he might have called him a big baby or something like that. It was very funny. <laughs> I was right there. It was. It was uh, Haynes know, called Jefferson a big baby? I, something. He said something. That's yeah, funny. I love lines. that. He was, I mean, his confidence was like, this dude doesn't care. He's coming from UConn. He's ready to play yeah. in the NFL. I think yeah. he was a five year starter, so it's different energy. Uh, so those are guys that I love in the on rounds two and three on the offensive line. Where do you like Layden Robinson from Texas A&M? He's a weird one because two years ago, I thought he could be a first round pick. I mean, yeah. you look it's at the puzzling. Way, yeah. He's somebody that when the switch is on, you run behind him 20 times a game because Mm -hmm. he's just going to simply relocate people. Now, the thing with him, the inconsistency in pass pro does worry me a little bit. Sometimes it's the feet. Sometimes he just gets stuck with his upper body kind of ducking his head and lunging a little bit. So he would be more of a draft and stash player for me when I think of guys like that fourth round and on that I like the depth. I actually think if I can work on some things with his hands and his base and pass pro, I have a starter. But I wouldn't want to throw him into the fire right away where all the other guys we talked about, they're coming in and they're playing NFL football from day one on an offensive line. You know, running back is interesting. We might not see one picked in rounds. Well, no, definitely not in round one. We might not see one picked in round two (laughs) in this draft. But then in round three, you might have like eight selected. It's going to be a bonanza. That's the number I've been setting. I think it's realistic. And I think we saw a lot of the guys out there today. Interesting, Mm -hmm. a lot of different body types, a lot of different shapes and sizes, which is fun. All good guys listening to the talk. Really, really fun group. What's your flavor when it comes to the running back position if you're trying to, let's say the Giants can't figure something out with Saquon and they're trying to bring somebody in to maybe share the load with Eric Gray or right. just be a part of that running back rotation? The biggest, scariest one, Braylon Allen. I, I mean, honestly, this is a dude. Literally that, biggest. The biggest one. And he's, <laughs> he just turned 20. And he's going to be in the is NFL. Is he only 20 years yeah, old? Yeah, he started. He enrolled in college early. I didn't realize that. He was that. taking wow. carries for Wisconsin as a 17-year-old. Yeah. And he's, what, 6'3", 240? That's he turned close. 20 in January. So you're talking about he's going to play his rookie season as a 20-year-old. What is Braylon Allen going to look like at 22, 23? <laughs> I mean, he's going to be Derrick Henry. And I'm not saying as a player, but as a fit, like the build. Right. So yeah. His time's going to be big here. He can run. I mean, I thought people complained a little bit about the pass game. I dove into the tape this year and saw him getting better. He's starting to understand his assignments and pass pro. You're never going to worry about the size. He's this, he came to Wisconsin. They didn't know if he'd play linebacker. So now he's blocking linebackers because he is a, a, really a linebacker right. that plays running back. He, he's just a bowling ball downhill. 
I think when you get him to the second level at the NFL a little bit more than they were able to do, it's going to be scary. And once again, 20-year-old, so maybe the kid's not ready to come out of the gate right away as a superstar running back. But if I'm betting on a guy in round three because of the upside, it's Braylon Allen for sure. I, I got to give you a local guy, St. Joseph's High School in Montvale in Bergen County, just so close to, to the Giants and the Jets both, uh, of course, is esteem from Notre Dame. Yeah. Just got done talking to him, and he's promising that we're all going to be shocked at his 40 time. He says, I'm a lot faster than they I think. Hope so I, well let's see he creates yards unlike any other guy in this draft it feels like the amount of tackles that he makes guys miss right the missed tackles force which is something pff tracks really really well he's that guy him and trey benson right and blake Corm a little bit where they're beat they're they're tackled behind the line of scrimmage and then they somehow got four yards mm-hmm. and that's not appreciated enough because in the nfl you get the ball and realistically there's going to be a defender in your face every single time it's just brutal like that so the guys that can turn dead plays or negative plays into intermediate gains or short gains that's a skill that's not valued enough in my opinion we fall in love with the 60 yeah, yard runs right. but that's not the nfl right it's not the nfl so i think with him and I think with uh, Benson and Corum, they're really good at that, and that's why I'd love to have them in a committee right away. I think Corum's 40 time here is one of the most important numbers we're going to so see. I think so, too, and I'm a little nervous about that long speed, to you be honest think, with you. Do you think he could be over a 4.6? I think that's where I'd have him, right there. Right about 4.6? If he ran anything high 4.5s, we're all good. That passes I'm the good test. with that, but I think if he drives below that 4.6 right. mark, teams, that's, that's your getting to the threshold point, where teams For might sure. be... I don't know. And it stinks because he's a fun player. He changes direction really well. Uh, But that long speed could, I think, scare teams away a little bit. And it happens with the running backs, right? You know, the most recent guy I think of that is like Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, I think, was a 4'6 guy. Mm -hmm. But his power was different. So it's hard to make that comparison. 20 pounds. Right. He just runs right through you. So, yeah, this running back class, it doesn't have that blue chip talent. You're looking for the depth talent. How about Bucky Irving? He's a guy that I really like on tape, but, boy, I saw him up there. He's tiny. Right, too, and it's, too tiny. It, He's it, really tiny. tiny. He's got to be a third down back at the next level. No the, doubt. The problem with that is, I mean, this is someone that then you're going to ask to be in pass, pass pro. pro a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> you got this, it. This has become a weird thing when scouting for the NFL lately is all these undersized running backs, you kind of clap your hands and go, oh, he's a day three third down back. Okay, when you talk to an NFL running back coach or an offensive line coach, they don't give a you-know-what about what they do running or catching if they can't block because right. the quarterback cannot get killed from a blown 100%. assignment. You don't get on the field. Yeah, right. You don't get – I mean, this is a perfect example. You guys know I do Jets pre- and post-game. I love Dizzy Abanacanda coming out of pit, and I think he's going to be a really yeah. good player. The Jets weren't ready to play him this year because they felt like he needed to get to a certain place in pass pro where he basically had a redshirt year until the end of the year. And that's what happens to a lot of these college guys that right. aren't in pass pro very often. And that's my thing with Bucky. I like when he has the ball in his hands. I think he's very elusive in space. But like you guys said, without the size and without the pass pro experience, it might just be a longer road. Now, there's one position that we usually talk about high in the first round, and that's cover corner, right? Yeah. I had a scout tell me last night in the hotel lobby, my God, I can't believe how many third-round corners there are who can play. Yes. And there's nickels, and there's boundaries. Oh, yeah. You know, you, whatever you want, we can get them in the third round. That's it's, incredible. It is. The nickel class is silly this year. I mean, Mikey Sandra's still from Michigan. That's a converted wide receiver. Another small guy. He's slender, but, I yeah. mean, he mirrors unlike any. He makes the, plays, These man. college wide receivers that have a two-way go, asking these slot guys to cover them one-on-one is an insane ask. Especially on the wide side of the field. Oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, forget it. It's ridiculous. So... I think that when you look at this corner, I number one, I agree. This mm-hmm. is a deep corner class. And we're going to have a ton go in the first round, and then we're going to sit there on day two and go, wow, there's a lot left. It's the era of seven-on-seven. Seven. Uh, so yeah. many of these kids all year round are playing wide receiver or they're covering wide receivers or kids are throwing the football. And it's honestly a lot of fun throughout this process. <laughs> you have these great athletes. They're 6-1 with arms down to the True. ground. They run 4-3. And then you just got to dial into – a big thing, can they tackle? Because this league, how much wide zone do we see? These guys got to mm-hmm. come up and tackle. Are they going to be able to press? Because not all of them are asked to press in college. So are they going to be able to adapt to our diverse coverage schemes? And then what do you have between the ears? Because so much of is asked of these DBs at the NFL level from a defensive uh, scheme standpoint. But there's going to be a million corners going in the top 75. I think we're also unlikely to see a safety going around number one. I would agree. Who is a day two safety that if the Giants cannot come to terms with Xavier McKinney, who's their classic yeah. single high center fielder type right. that you like in that day two area that could step in there and play that center field role in safety. Tyler, which, by the way, yeah. is very important in Shane Bowen's defense, by sure, the way. Sure, yeah. right, which makes you wonder how serious do the talks get with McKinney to return. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Tyler Newbin from Minnesota has been asked to do everything. That, that's the key, and he's been good at everything. The ball skills have been there, multiple interceptions. 
interceptions every single year. He's somebody that, when you see him in single high, I love the range, and he's got great eyes. I mean, the instincts. And if you've watched that defense a couple years ago, Antoine Winfield Jr. was asked the same thing. I mean, to say, hey, go play in the box like a linebacker, come downhill and hit fearless, good tackler. Okay, go play single high, and you got to read where the quarterback's looking to make a play on the ball. He could do that. Newbin's awesome. He's. I, I said I was shocked he didn't declare last year. I thought he was pro-ready to go. Now he's another year under his belt. Minnesota wasn't really good this year, so he dealt with a little bit of adversity with that team. And then, you know, one more that I talked to here, that was asked to do everything, and I think it hurt him, was Cam Kinchins. I think Kinchins Kinchins had 11 picks over the last two years. And I said that to him, and he goes, you know, I had 11 picks one year in high school. And, I mean, and it's true. And with Kinchins, he played so much slot, wide corner, strong safety, on the line of scrimmage, and then he played free safety. But if you tell Cam Kinchins you're a free safety for 80 to 90% of our defensive snaps, He's going to get six picks if you have that comfort with him, right? And he's fearless coming downhill. Some other things are still catching up to speed with him where he's not a first-round safety or anything like that. But I think Miami put too much on his plate, and it limited some of his production. Interesting. All right, we hear that the linebacker core is not really strong, right? Yeah. But we also know that there's such a tendency now to get a little bit bigger to go against the grain because all defenses got smaller and right. got quicker. So now maybe you need a little bit of a thumper at linebacker that you might be able to get third or fourth round who's going to wind up being a little more impactful than people think. Yeah. You have a name in mind. I think Cedric Gray might be that kind of guy, right? Or, you know, you look at him, and then everybody's kind of wondering how these guys are going to go because there's no first-round linebacker. So then you get into the day two guys. Junior Colson from Michigan, mm-hmm. he's not a thumper, but he is sideline to sideline and creates chaos. And I think he's strong enough that he could take on that contact. He didn't run yesterday, right? I don't think he ended up no, running. I don't I think, think he, he ran. Yeah, so yeah. he'll probably run at his pro day. He's going to mm-hmm. fly, by the way. Interesting story. I mean, he came here from Haiti when he was nine years old, didn't speak a word of English. Now <laughs> yeah. he won the Lot Trophy, right? The Lot Impact Trophy for being like that guy, that kind of leader and impact in the community. So I love Junior Colson, and I think what you have to realize with the college linebackers, him, Edron Cooper from Texas A&M, and then God. Peyton Wilson from NC State. Cooper looks like a safety, though, man. He And his guy is Fred Warner. And when we watch Fred yeah. Warner coming out of BYU, he played like the a slot. Safety. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's what right. these, these guys are not asked to come downhill and take on contact like they used to. So you don't even know coming into I the know. league. It's just so much uh, adapting to that. So it's going to be hard to find those kind of thumpers. And then, you know, you look at maybe a guy like Eichenberg from Ohio State. I think mm-hmm. he could take on contact in the run. He'd be more in the later range like you're talking about. Right. So. There's no first-round superstar linebacker, but I think a lot of these guys have starter or third linebacker potential. Wilson, I think, has the frame to do it, though. If he can stay healthy, yeah, I think if he puts some weight on, I think he has a chance to do it. When you hurt the shoulders at linebacker, it it gives you a little bit of a fear. And I I hope for him because I really liked him, and I think he's had a long road to get there. And, you know, he wins the Bignarik, and he wins the Buckus in the same year. No one had done that since 2012. Uh, I mean, that's crazy. So if he could stay healthy, he he probably would have went in the top 35 if he was healthy. Real quick, final question. I don't think we've asked one person about tight ends yet, have we? Well, we've talked about so Bowers a little bit. Bowers, yes, but nobody I, else. I, I got about a tight, a, oh, go ahead. I got a tight end after you do. Sure. Late, late day two, early day three tight end that you like. Kate Stover. Class. It's Kate Stover from Ohio State. Well, I he mean, had a chip on his shoulder at the pole. Oh, he's day, intense. Huh? Oh, my he's gosh. Intense. <laughs> I think that was the most, like, those, out of the sit-downs I did, I was on eggshells a little bit he in, was, like, a he, funny way. He it's, dropped an F-bomb at the podium. Yeah, he was the only guy I heard, too, the whole He is a tough dude. This is a dude that grew up on a farm in the offseason. He still goes back and farms. Like, that's his thing. Hard work. He played line, like legitimately played linebacker for Ohio State. I think he had double-digit tackles in a Rose Bowl. And then they flip him to tight end, and he's played tight end for two years. This dude is tough. He is focused. He is all business. Uh, I, I like his effort as a blocker. I really do. Someone he's, asked him why he wasn't a good enough blocker, and, which, and, and that's when the yeah. bad word came out. <laughs> which is funny to me because I didn't see that on tape. Neither I'm, did I. I'm with you. I mean, oh, people come man. here, they could ask whatever they want. I, I think Kate Stover is a good blocker. I think he's a good I red agree. zone weapon. you got to realize with the Ohio State tight ends is that they don't get the same volume as other guys because they play with superstars at wide receiver that get all the targets. So you're undervaluing that or underappreciating that. I really like Stover and I think he's going to be the third tight end taken actually in this draft. All right. I'll, one of my real, real sleepers here is Ben okay. Sinnott. Yeah. I like him an awful lot. I love the versatility. You want I to love put him the attitude. Back, don't you? I he could do it. I want to see him do he a bunch do of stuff. Yeah, he could do it. Because his attitude today, when we were talking to him today, he was saying, you know what? All right, they started me out as more of a receiving guy. Then they told me I had to start doing some blocking, and that's fine. And play running back, do play fullback. Yeah. This guy's ready to roll. He is. He'll do anything asked of him. He had some pretty high grades over the summer when we start this process, and he was one of the main guys we watched at tight end. 
can climb the ladder over defenders yeah. that catch the ball. I like the frame. Mm-hmm. I think he's somebody that can use – you know, you talk about zone game. You want to get somebody on the move blocking. That's who I would yeah. think of in that sure. as well. So you can motion him really from the backfield to inline to the slot. He can handle a lot of different roles. He, he's had a weird year because it felt like over summer the grades were so high. Nobody talked about him all season. Now it's kind of trickling back where he's on the radar again. Connor, good stuff, my man. Oh, appreciate Find it. Find all the stuff, NBC, uh, NBC Sports, the yeah. uh, Stock Exchange podcast oh, yeah. as well. Anything else? No, you know it's, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Everything for NFL Draft will be at NBC or on the Stock Exchange pod. Check it all out. Connor Rogers will be back with Matt Miller from ESPN right after this. Giants fans, get loud and welcome your New York football Giants. Take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. And it's intercepted. Deontay Banks. You will receive exclusive benefits like members-only events, game day experiences, and discounts on Giants merchandise at the team shop. Sacked by Tenno, and the Giants have won! more about a New York Giants season ticket membership, visit Giants.com slash tickets. We got some cilantro, some onions, some carrots. Giving back to the community means a lot. Just to keep giving hope that, you know, you just live in a situation and the situation doesn't define you. So, I got you. Thank y'all. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. This is so nice of y'all. Oh, thank you. Just little things like that just to keep encouraging guys. Back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, we are at the Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. John Schmoke, Paul Dettino, joined by our good friend Matt Miller from ESPN. Matt, good to see you, man. Likewise. We do this every year. I was trying to think how many years it's been. A lot. It's been a lot. A lot yes. of years. And we always said, well, Matt, again, do a bigger dive as you get closer to the draft yeah. like you always do every year. Uh Top of the draft, Matt, and I've kind of opened most interviews with this, so I'll stick with it. Most blue-chip players I've seen in the draft in years, I think yeah. you can combine the last few draft classes. You have more blue-chip prospects in this class, and it's premium positions. Right. It's quarterback, it's receiver, it's offensive tackle. I mean, this thing's loaded at the top. It's it, a good year to be picking six. It really is. I mean, it, three quarterbacks, three wide receivers, two offensive tackles. I think you can throw in a defensive end and a corner in that group as well. So it is really deep. And as you mentioned, they're all, they're all premium positions. You know, when you talk about how do you want to build a franchise, okay, quarterback, pass rusher, left tackle, wide receiver, corner. Those are where you want to go. Those are gonna, The top 10 picks of this draft could just be those positions and maybe even deeper. We might go 12 or 13 with just quarterbacks, receivers, tackles, and then a, a corner and a pass rusher. Now, aside from Chicago, which we've all heard that Justin Fields could be trade bait as somebody tries mm-hmm. to move up uh, to the top, do you suspect that the overload at premium positions will force most of those teams to stay put or to try to get an extra huge haul to move? Yeah, that's a great question. I think you know every franchise could be a little bit different. Here's where I would say. I think you come in and say, we're making that pick this year because of their blue-chip positions, blue-chip players. Also, you got to be smart and look ahead to next year. Next year's draft right now looks like it could be a little bit weaker. So I would rather have, you know, normally if you're trading out of the top 10, it's for future draft picks, right? Those future draft picks next year might not be as valuable as they are this year because it's very unlikely that we're going to see three to four quarterbacks in the top 10 next year. Very unlikely we're going to see three elite wide receivers at the top, even though wide receiver is probably next year's strength again. Uh, And then the offensive tackles that we have this year. Very, very hard to find guys like Joel and Alufashanu in mm-hmm. any draft class. This year, there are two of them. So I think this year is going to be a little bit more valuable where we probably do see those teams stay pat. Any chance one of those top three teams don't pick a quarterback and trade out of Either trade out of it or don't pick a quarterback? I think New England is the wild card because who knows, right? We don't know what to expect there. Elliot Wolf is running the personnel department. Obviously, his dad, Ron, helped build the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. But he's been all over the NFL. He's really worked his way up yep. through the through the ranks. And so it's hard to nail down what that philosophy might be. Also a first-time head coach in Gerard Mayo. So we don't really know what they're going to do. And I think what it comes down to is they need to love that quarterback. Or, there's, only, there's only one for them. That's right. it. There's going to be one right. left. That's it. So you got to love that guy. If it's, I assume it right now, if we had to bet right now, I would say it's Drake May. You got to love Drake May because if you don't, that's the one team, to, to your point, that could trade back into where you could get that that huge bounty of draft picks. So if you don't love Drake May and, and you're saying, hey, you know, we're comfortable moving back a couple spots, wherever that might be, 6, 8, 11, wherever that might be, mm-hmm. then I, I think that is, at least for New England, because that roster is so poor right now, 
That's, I think, more intriguing. Washington, they've got playmakers. You know, they've got some building blocks. They need the quarterback. Chicago, that's a good roster. The, this yeah. pick is not theirs. You know, this is Carolina uh, earning that number one pick. And they pick again at nine. Exactly. So, so they're, they're going to get one of the blue blessed. chip guys anyway. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Let me ask you about the, the situation involving a lot of guys who have had the sixth year because of COVID. Yeah. And, and guys who have moved to multiple programs who are now very high in the draft and maybe because they've had more different experiences and because they've had more time in college, maybe they're more of a short bet maybe yeah. than what other players have been at this high level of the draft. Would you concur? Yeah, I would. And I think it, it helps me do my job because I've, <laughs> I've seen you yeah. transfer to different programs and have to learn. So someone like Caleb Williams transfers, but he goes with his coach. So he didn't have to learn a new system, mm-hmm. but he did have to learn new players, right? We see Jaden Daniels go from Arizona State to LSU. You know, there's adversity there. And I love watching a quarterback have to battle some adversity. We got to see that with Jaden Daniels, with Bo Nix. You go to your dad's alma mater where he's a legend and you struggle. And a lot of people are are writing the obituary on your career. Mm -hmm. You go to Oregon and put together two of the finest years of any quarterback in college football. Michael Penix Jr., four years at Indiana. Every year ended an injury, season-ending injury. But you go to Washington, become a, a Heisman candidate. So it, it definitely helps me do my job. I think it helps NFL teams as well. The other side of that is NIL. You know, we have young men in college now making real money. And it used to be, what would we say? I don't know how this guy's going to handle fame and money. You don't have to worry about that anymore. They've got it in college, so we can tell how you're <laughs> right. going to handle it. That's a good point. Let's talk, you mentioned the two offensive tackles, Joe Alt and Olu Fashino. Coming into this year, I had Fashino as my top offensive tackle. I thought yeah. the way he moved last year, I thought he was phenomenal. I think Joe Alt this year was better. And when I watch Fashinu, the pass pro, and I know there were some games where he let guys get into his chest and he got bull rushed yeah, a Ohio bit. State. Right. We could just say Ohio State, yeah. And, but I think that's more hands. Like, if he gets his hands inside, they're so long, no one's yeah. going to get into his chest. I think that's going to be fine. The thing that bothered me with Fashinu, in the run game, he's on the ground a lot. He falls. Yeah. Which, for a guy that's so graceful, moving backwards in pass protection. A little surprising, right? To fall in the run game, to me, is odd. So I do have Alt ahead of Fashinu. How do you think NFL teams look at Olu? How do you look at him now, given the really good pass pro, but then the run game stuff, even not just the strength, but some of the technique stuff with the balance is a real issue. Yeah, and I think that's a good point about it. So I have it all then then Olu, and uh, Talise Fuaga from Oregon State is right there as well. Um, but he's a right tackle, so a little bit different. I think with, with Fashano, it's a, a matter of can you coach that up? And I know he's working with Duke Mannyweather in the pre-draft process, which uh, gives me some, like, that helps. I feel more confident about where a guy's going to develop because they're working with Duke. And, you know, I, I think he's, he's worked to get stronger, which I think is going to help have more of that s- solid, sturdy, powerful base. But then, you know, the agility is there. I think it's just unlocking it. You know, and I would I would rather bet on a guy who has that agility and you're thinking, can I coach it up? But as we were talking about earlier, it's not just quarterbacks where you want that experience. It's offensive tackles mm-hmm. as well. And you want guys who are coming out of, you know, the Penn States, the Notre Dames, the Alabamas, the Georgias, because they're running things that you actually do in the NFL instead of just, Okay, well, like, you know, weak side, he's just going to cut block or he's just, you know, going to shadow block because we're throwing a bubble screen over here. Right. So I think that also helps. Is it's like real pass sets. It. You've wow. actually seen these guys <laughs> do it, and that, that gives you some comfort. It seems to me that every year when we sit here and we talk, we're always addressing at least one or two pass rushers in the top ten, not so much this year. Yeah. Whether it's Turner, or Verse, or Latu, they seem to be the top three pass rushers here on the edge. If Latu had not had his injury history, would he have been a top 10? So I don't think so, um, just because of he's not an explosive athlete. He's a very good football player. Great technician. Great tech. Yeah, he's ready to go. He looks like he's played in the NFL for five years already because he's so good with his hands. He sets things up so well. But I think that lack of twitch and explosion in his game, you know, I, I had a chance to talk to him at the Senior Bowl. He's a, he's a tall, linear kid. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not going to have that, I think, great dip and bend. It's just not who he is athletically. As you said, he's a great technician. I think he'd be a 10-sack guy in the NFL. But that probably keeps him out of the top 10. Second round, who do you like out of that next group of wide receivers outside that top three that maybe if the Giants don't go wide receiver in the first round and they decide to maybe go in the second yeah. round, 
to me, that's a real big chef's choice type of situation, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of different guys of different flavors you might like. Who do you like in that next group of white eyes that might get to round two? Yeah, that might. And I'm, I don't want to say they're round two players because I think they could go late first. But Adonai Mitchell from Texas. Love and then it. his teammate, Xavier, Xavier Worthy. They're both fantastic. And sometimes I see mock drafts from my colleagues, and I'm like, guys, what are we doing on these two? Have we watched them play? You know, Worthy's going to run in the, the, four, the high four twos, low four threes. He has vertical stretchability. He, he was a punt returner. He cleaned up some of the drop issues that he had that mm -hmm. 2022 season. And then A.D. Mitchell comes in to Texas from Georgia, 6-4. He's running a 4-3-5 last week, hand-timed. <laughs> He's going to – and you see it on tape. That's the thing about these guys. They're not just fast. Okay, well, straight line fast. You can see it on tape with both players. So uh, I see mock drafts, and we, Kuiper's mock draft uh, that came out today, Worthy was at 32, no A.D. Mitchell. And so if, if that's the way the wind's blowing in the NFL, someone's going to get a steal. What do you think about uh, what the Giants should do with the offensive line? Uh, some people are saying they got to grab one at six. We know who the top guys are. Yeah. But if they don't do that, do you really believe that if there are six or seven first-round offensive linemen, yeah. can they get somebody good enough, at one of their two second-round picks, that can push for a starting job right I think away? So. I think so. I mean, we could talk, be talking about centers. Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon. Well, they got uh, JMS. I don't oh, think so they would do excuse that. Me, yeah. so guard he could play, play guard, he too. Say he could play guard. He's going to play guard. <laughs> uh, I love Cooper Beebe from Kansas yeah. State. Fantastic athlete. You know, powerful. Plays with enough of a mean streak, a controlled mean streak. So I do think with one of those second-round picks, you could be looking at a guard uh, who could come in and be a starter. I'm still an Evan Neal fan. I want to see him get healthy. Oh, I, please I, preach because right? we have I, a lot of I folks loved, who are not. So go ahead. I loved Evan Neal coming out. I remember talking about him with you yeah. guys, and I loved Evan Neal. Let's, let's, let's give him a chance. You know, everybody wanted to write Andrew Thomas off his rookie year mm -hmm. as well. Look at the, the rebound that he has made. Christian Darisol in Minnesota. People want to write him off early. we got to give these guys time to develop. And, and I think for Evan, you got to give him time to develop playing right tackle and but also too. get healthy. He's been hurt. Getting healthy is the biggest thing for him. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. Giants might be in need for a running back. We might not see a running yeah. back <laughs> pick until the third picked until the third round yeah, this year. Not, don't take one of six. Yeah, don't do that. Right? Uh, no, obviously. <laughs> and I don't even think I would even pick one in the second round. There's so many of these guys, to right. be honest with you. I think you can wait till the third round and you're going to be fine. But boy, you got a bunch of guys that are like really close on your board when you get to that spot. Who are the running backs you like from that group? I have six running backs with a third-round grade. I have eight with a fourth-round grade. There you so go. that's where they're going to come off the mm -hmm. board. So um, all of them, I think, are in that range. Jonathan Brooks from Texas coming off a November ACL injury. That could push him to the third round. I'm in love with Trey Benson from Florida State. Uh, 223 pounds, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Braylon Allen is a little bit of a throwback coming out of Wisconsin. He's going to be 240 pounds. Downhill runner with, with runaway speed, though. Um, so I like both those guys. And I'll tell you one more name. Jalen Wright from Tennessee is going to put a mm -hmm. show on this week. And mm -hmm. I think he is somebody that even as a third, maybe fourth-round pick, could be a starting NFL running back. Like, he's your RB1 frontline guy. All right. We've heard that the corners are pretty deep. You can get slots and yeah. you can get boundaries. If you had your druthers uh, in, let's say, the third or fourth round, you got, do you have to go slot there? Will the boundaries be all gone? Yeah, like the, the ones that you feel great about playing early are, are probably going to be gone at that point, unless we see something surprising. You know, a guy like Kalen King, who you talk about preseason, first-round grade mm -hmm. at Penn State. Yeah, I love this now, 2022 tape. Now it's looking like maybe third or fourth round, and he's someone who has played out on the boundary. Um, but I think you're getting into, like, Andrew Phillips at Kentucky, really good inside okay. player. Yeah. Jarvis Brownlee, Louisville, really yeah. good inside player. Jerry and Jones, Florida State, really good inside yep. player. So I, I think we are seeing this year, especially where – all these first, you know, first round guys are all boundary guys, and yeah. they can all they can all run. They're all big, so there is a little bit of a, a tier system this year at, the, at corner. All right, final two quick before we say goodbye here. One corner in the second round. The Giants have two picks there. They might have yeah. a big time need there, assuming that you know the Quinion Mitchells are gone. Both Alabama guys are going to be gone. I would think Kool Aid McKinstry is going to be gone by yeah, then. But it might, might be a little bit yeah. tighter. Um, who else? Do you like Kamari Lasseter? What are the guys do you like maybe yeah. as a second round? I say Kamari Lasseter. That's about his range. I think Nate Wiggins from Clemson is really interesting because the tape to me doesn't match the the athletic profile we're going to see this I week. I love Wiggins. So we'll see. <laughs> I mean, he he could go top 20. He might yeah. run a 4-2-5 you know, in a couple days, and he goes top 20. But he's a player I know the league is split on as well because really? you don't always see the, the consistency. You don't always see the toughness. So he's a player that we all think like, oh, this guy might go top 20. It might be top 40 uh, when it's all said and done. So uh, Lasseter from Georgia is very much in that mix. I think that's perfect range for him. All right, final question. Giants at six. If, if, if I put the GM hat on, 
Matt Miller, mm-hmm. what are you thinking? Uh, if a quarterback's there, that's where I'm going. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think resetting that is, is something that's important for the franchise. And when you say forward. a quarterback, you mean one of the top three. So Caleb Williams right. won't be there. Yes, uh, Jake right. Daniels or Drake May, if they're there at six, I would Got draft it. one mm-hmm. of those players. Um, assuming that won't be the case. Roma Dunze would be would be my home run pick for the Giants. Thank you. I think you've got speed with Jalen Hyatt, <laughs> who I loved. You've got speed with Wandale Robinson. How about a 6'3", 250-pound bully? I'm you know, salivating, just, Matt, right? in case you can't see Winning it. I'm salivating. Can you get me a napkin, somebody, so, please? Yeah. We, I mean, Thank Roma you. Dunze. And then, you know, with those round two picks, you know, Bo Nix is there in round two. I'm, I'm all in. And then we could get a guard with the next one. Like that's, You, you, that's you and I need draft. to have lunch because we, we are so much on the same page. Because I, I just wanted to get a little appendix here. If the Giants were to draft a prospect for the future at quarterback yeah. and bypass the first round and maybe even the second, could Rattler be there? Rattler in the third fourth? round. Rattler yeah, third round that? is his, definitely his range. We yeah. think so much alike, man. <laughs> it's wild. It really we is. will take a quick timeout, get the cleanup crew here for Dottino, and we'll have more Big Blue Kickoff Live. We thank you, Matt Miller from ESPN. You check out ESPN coverage of the draft um, all, all week long of the NFL Combine. So make sure you check that out. We'll be right back after this. Hey, how are you? Hi, I'm Kayvon, nice to meet you. For me, it's just a blessing to always be that impact for somebody else. I always say, try to be somebody to somebody. So when I go, I want my feet and my hands to move just as fast, right? It's been great, getting to learn a lot, getting to meet a lot of kids. It kind of reminds you of where you used to be and it reminds you of of the impact that people have in, in your life. There you go. I think we had a tremendous impact on them, just being able to bring them a smile on the day and be able to, you know, really interact with them and get to know them. Give me one more, hey. You know, really getting to step back and enjoy the moment. Mosey's emoji is either the laughing emoji or the crying emoji that I use when I'm laughing even extra harder. Something about me not a lot of people know would probably be that I'm a black belt. My favorite follower on social media is Rod Wave. You know, I feel like I'm a huge Rod Wave fan. He's from around my hometown, so, you know, gotta follow him and see, see what he does with what music he drops. My biggest pet peeve, man, I would say when people chew when they're, like, talking when they're chewing. This is fantastic. <laughs> Makes your taste buds come alive. You know, if they're, like, dragging their feet when they walk, you know, my parents always instilled in me not to do that, so I'll probably say those two things. Back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Hey, Giant fans, score a taste touchdown with Hellman's, the official mayonnaise of the New York Giants. Joining us, friend of the program, he is the director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He is the one and only Jim Nagy. Jim, how are you? Good to see you guys. You too. Yeah, we had a chance to catch up after the Senior Bowl. You already had one of your guys, I think, was pretty much the star of the linebacker show <laughs> yesterday with Peyton Wilson just lighting <laughs> things up. Uh, your reaction to, to the first day of workouts and, and some of the stuff that your guys from the Senior Bowl did? Yeah, some really impressive really impressive stuff yesterday. Peyton ran. I talked to one team. They had him 4-4-1. I think whatever he was, 4-4-3 official. And, and he's not one of these 225-pound linebackers no. either. He's a bigger dude. Yeah, he's a 6'3", 240-pound guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and think, and not to get to derail this thing into the Peyton Wilson show, but... Um, <laughs> he, I asked he, you about it. It's my fault. He plays so dang hard, too. You know, like some guys, some you know, like when you've got instincts and then motor and and you run low 4-4s, like, man, you're going to make a ton of plays. They've, and the th- everyone knows the thing with Peyton is going to be the medical, so hopefully that comes out great. But he's a great football player. And then and Braden Fisk, um, the defensive oh, tackle, yeah. who really kind of started things off in Mobile, um, had a monster week for us. First player in Senior Bowl history to be traded. Uh, not really traded. <laughs> so, well, it was on the, mor- on the morning of the, you know, I, I, yes. get, I get a text in the morning of the game at like 6.15 from one of the, you know, the national team's D-line coach. He's like, Jim, we only got three inside guys. Um, I'm like, all right, give me a minute. And I ran to the office. I'm looking at the depth chart. Um, and really, the reason I picked Braden, not, nothing to do with talent, I knew he would do it. I knew he would flop teams, you know, like looking at, looking at who the, how the guys were wired. Um, not casting any judgment on those other guys, but I knew Braden Fisk if I called him. So I'm like, hey, buddy, meet me by the escalators in, in 20 minutes. And he came walking out, and the two D-line coaches were standing there with me. And I, I said, I'm like, you really make some history? 
And he kind of looks at me. I'm like, dude, you're about to be a legend. I'm like, we're going to flip teams. He's like, I'm getting traded. I'm like, no, it's not trade. <laughs> you're just getting moved. <laughs> There's nothing going back in return for you. So it's not not really a trade. He had a good day here, by the way. He, he, shoot, he ran whatever he ran, 4.75, 4.7. Yeah. He was fastest D lineman, jumped high. The, the shuttle times were ridiculous. And then and then you watch him on tape. That shouldn't have been a surprise no, to anybody. No, no. And, and again, that's the thing about the combine. Sometimes these guys pop numbers and it makes you go back to the tape. And you're like, yeah, I still don't see it. But yeah, if you didn't see the the get off quickness, you know, from, from you knew he was going to do, but more so than all the times and like, you can put your stopwatch down. And, and if you just watch the drills, like how does it look And Braden Fisk looked to me, he looked different. He and Byron Murphy, probably at the defensive tackle spot, mm-hmm. those two guys look different than the rest of the group. Yeah. There's no question at all. The next uh, couple of days, as they continue to do what they're doing out here, are there two or three or even four guys that you had at the Reese's senior bowl who you could not wait to get here because you think they're really going to, going to drop jaws yeah well one guy that i hope again i got my fingers crossed a little bit we did a a senior bowl recap show on the nfl network the other day and and daniel jeremiah had been trumpeting Devontae walker from north carolina leading Mm -hmm. into our game i remember um and tez tez got deep all week man he got open and the speed showed up i think he was the second fastest player at the game on the zebra technology stuff that the giants use he had trouble finishing but boy he he was open all week mm -hmm. so i want to see him catch the ball well down yeah Mm -hmm. i just want i hope that you know I, i felt like it snowballed on him a little bit yeah, I think so, too. During our week. But, uh, no, I mean, God, just off the top of my head, some of these guys, I mean, the, re- the receivers, like I'd love to – we had a good receiver week. I, I, the other day, someone in the local media asked me about the receiver group, and we had seven go in the top 100 last year. And I rattled off seven off the top of my head that I think could go in the second round, not just top 100. I mean, so I'd love to see how Ricky Pearsall from Florida runs. I would love to see how, how Roman Wilson won, runs. I think I think that both those guys could be in the four threes. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, if Pearsall goes in the four threes, the way he catches the ball, I think he could. Whew. Yeah, I think I think he could just talking to the you know talking to his agents again. Though it's agents, they all think they're guys. <laughs> but, uh, but but no, I'm excited. I'm excited to see all these guys, and I'm excited to see some of the guys throw. I'm excited to see JJ McCarthy throw. Um, JJ is a guy that I have not seen throw the ball live. Like I, I go to a lot of camps in the summer, the Manning camp and things like that. Um, and I've never seen JJ throw in person. So I'm excited to see that. As you take on a different role in this process, you had to watch more players this year because they got open up to not just seniors for the recent senior bowl. Yep. So as you show up here, is this a little bit different now for you? We have a feel for more of these guys because you had to scout them all Absol- as potential invites to the game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and in years past, once we got done with our game, I would watch some of the top juniors so I could come here and talk about them. But no, I, I've got a much better working knowledge of those guys because we did. Everyone asked because it didn't get announced until the first week in November. The league kind of dropped it. You know, but you knew though, right? But They gave us a heads yeah. up in August that, that this might be coming down the track so we had our scouts watching all the juniors we built the board this year with all the juniors on it so once they made it we was it didn't like catch us off guard we just stayed true to what we had but uh no so i should know some of these guys better you had a couple of quarterbacks i want to ask you about because they seem to be in that second cluster of qbs in terms of a rattler and nicks right Mm -hmm. yep now the people who seem to be down on nicks think more about his auburn days than his oregon days and the people who are down on Rattler say, well, he's maybe too small and he's developed, but he's older and whatever else. Where is the upside to both of these guys from your perspective? Well, I'll, let's say this. like, it, it, Bo is a very different player. If you only know one or the other, if you only know the Auburn Bo Nicks or you only know the Oregon Bo Nicks, they're, they're really different guys. Right. I, think, I think it's what has gotten lost with people that have focused on Bo the last two years in Eugene, Oregon. Um, he has played so well within the structure of what they do. Um, he's done so much, his wor- so much of his work from the pocket. Um, but then you go back to Auburn, he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off, like, you know, just making plays. And he looks like a guy that, you know, just very creative and ad lib. And, and so you, Bo has that in his skill set, even though we haven't seen it for a couple of years. He, he definitely has that. Everyone make, you know, the, the emphasis right now is getting guys that can create. He can create. Um, and then with Spencer Rattler, I think, uh, you know, again, he was so hyped coming out of high school. You know, he's one of those guys that we all kind of knew about. He was, you know, he had the Netflix documentary and all that. He was, he was a five-star kid, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, big program, loses a job to Caleb Williams. So there's been a lot of stuff around mm-hmm. Spencer for a long time. Um, I think he's grown up a lot. 
Uh, you know, and, and I didn't know the younger version of him. You know, you hear the stories about – this was back when I was scouting. I think Spencer was a freshman when I took this job. So you heard a lot of scuttlebutt among the scouts on the road, like, hey, man, did you see that Netflix thing? <laughs> he, he didn't come across very well on that. Um, but talking to Shane Beamer and the people at South Carolina, man, he's grown up. It's one of those things, like, you gotta you got to give these guys an opportunity to change, right? Like, they're still young men. I mean, they're they're – so, so he's changed a lot. He had a great. He's not the biggest guy, but he's got a big arm. Um, he showed that off in Mobile. Had a great week. I hope that he can continue to to push because I think coming into the Senior Bowl, a lot of people were like third, fourth round on Spencer, and I think it's trending up for upward from there right now. Now I have a generic question, not about any player in particular, but I wonder. I'm getting the sense from being here all week that this draftee class is a lot more mature as a whole than ones we've seen in the past. And I, and I wonder if that has to do with guys having multiple transfers mm-hmm. and they have to grow up and learn from this and yep. they get exposed to more. I'm also wondering if with the COVID year, guys who stayed that extra year and played more and they grew as players and as people. For sure. You're seeing you're seeing older guys right now. And again, the league is adjusted to that. It used to be, you know, if guys were if you, you were going to be a 24 year old rookie that made teams, that was a little bit of a red flag. Um, but I think teams have adjusted because these guys are, you know, they're all taking care of themselves better. They do a much better job in the offseason. They're playing longer into their careers. When I was a, when we were kids, if you were a quarterback and you were, you know, north of 30 years old, you were on the downside. You're now these quarterbacks are all playing until they're 40 years right. old. It's not just Tom Brady. Um so, no, just to, yes, very, I would think more mature for sure. We see that. And then the NIL piece, because they're handling their money um, and they're having to show up to appearances, like they're their own managers right now. And uh, and the guys that don't handle that part of it well, um, you know, frankly, don't end up here. They don't end up at the Senior Bowl. Like they, they shoot themselves in the foot. So it's, it's you know, I get asked this all the time. What, how is NIL in all the transfer portal and all that impacted scouting? It's made it easier. These teams can now figure out, you know, the question has always been, what are, this, what are these guys going to do with, with more time on their hands and more money in their pocket? Well, now, now we know what they're doing with the money in their pocket, you know? So, yeah. so no, it's cleaned it up a little bit. Less margin for error. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the extra years help the quarterback evaluation process. Like, I don't think it's a minus that these guys are 24 years old. Quarterback is such – I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Quarterback is such a hard position to scout yeah. and projecting what this guy is going to do in this collegiate system versus what he's going to do when he could be asked to do almost a completely different job in the NFL in a pro system, right? But now you get these guys in multiple systems with multiple coaches for multiple years. The more reps you get, the better. I think it makes evaluating the quarterback position a little bit easier, something that even with that is still almost impossible. No doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, you, you look, at, look at the senior bowl. The only true four-year guy we had was Michael Pratt from Tulane. I mean, Mm. Sam Hartman, there was a question on ESPN the other day. They did a trivia question. Who's throwing the most touchdown passes in this draft class? It was Sam Hartman. He threw like 130-some touchdowns. And just your, your question, you know, about the age and the quarterback thing, I'll just bring it back to Brock Purdy. I mean, I think us included, I didn't invite Brock Purdy to the Senior Bowl, so I was like the 31 other teams that passed on him. Like, why did we miss on Purdy? Why did we not invite Purdy? Mm-hmm. And you go back, that dude played like he was a four-year starter at Iowa State or five-year starter. He played a ton of football. So, there, yeah, for sure, there's something to well, it. There's remember when, when Wanky came out, everybody was looking at him like he was Methuselah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, we had this discussion a bunch with a bunch of different guys, Jim. Neighbors of Dunzier is a choice that maybe the Giants will be facing in round one. Other teams, too. And it brings you to the larger, what traits are now are most important for the wide receiver position? Is it the bigger X, more of a contested catch type of length guy, or is it the smaller separation type of guy? Where do you land on that? Well, I I love guys that can create space and then create with the ball in their hands. The thing with both these guys is they they both are really good with their ball in their hands. I mean, Dunzier, Rome... For a guy that big, and Keon Coleman's kind of in the same vein, too, for Florida State, you don't usually see big guys as punt returners. Mm-hmm. But Dunsey's a good punt returner. Like, you don't see many guys with that body type. You, you should have little shorter guys that can shake people um, and got <laughs> lateral true. quickness. Like, Dunsey's back there. He can do that. So, um, if, they, if, that's the, if that's the decision that the Giants have to make, if that's the two guys they're staring at. Can't go wrong, right? You can't really go wrong. They're both playmakers, you know, mm-hmm. and, and – and, 
in a, yeah, Neighbors is a little more inside. Like, going through all his tape, like, he makes a lot of plays out of the slot where he's manned up on safeties. Like, if you're going to knock the tape a little bit. Slot fade master. You know, the, loves the slot fade. Whereas Adunes, he's more outside. Um, but, again, they're both explosive. They both can create space. They get open at the top of a route, and they're good with the ball in their hands. So, I know the Giants need that. They've needed it for a while. Um, to me, it would be a significant upgrade with either of those guys in that offense. Great stuff. Uh, final thing from me, Jim. Uh, pass rushers, usually when you get a good one, boy, they're going to be up there in the top five. But not really this year, right? I mean, yeah, because Vlad, of all the other positions. Right. Yeah, and, right. And so many other good spots. It's really weird for me to be involved in a combine where pass rushers are not grabbing headlines. Like last year, Dallas Turner is a top ten pick. Like yep. He just is. But not now. Right. But it's because the other positions are all so good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at Will Anderson, right? So Will Anderson's rookie of the year this year for the Houston Texans. Great football player. Taking nothing away from Will. But like when you watch Will last year the Alabama tape you couldn't help but notice Dallas Turner Mm -hmm. and and just look at how he tested yesterday a far superior athlete to Will Anderson I'm not saying he's a better football player but like the pass rush upside because of the explosiveness and the in the bendability because he's a bendier guy I mean yeah he probably would have been a top 10 pick and look at like Laya Tulatu from from UCLA this dude is such an accomplished pass rusher but because of the medical thing like that could he could slide into the late teens and you could be staring at a guy that might get double digit sacks as a rookie just because Mm -hmm. he's so ready to do it so yeah you're right I mean all this pass rush crew, they're, they're going to slip, and so there's going to be a couple teams really benefit. Jim, tell the folks anything uh, you want them to know about the Senior Bowl. I know you guys are trying to make this a 365-day operation, not just like one week in January. Yeah, we can't, ju- yeah, we can't no. just show up and look, <laughs> hey, look at us for January. No, I would encourage fans, like, if you know, if you want, if you really want to be immersed in the NFL culture for a week in a, in a relaxed setting, you guys have been, uh, it's just a great week. Yeah. And it sounds, you know, I'm in the chair now, so it, it sounds like I'm selling it. Um, but I've thought that for 25 years been coming to mobile like it is it is so cool you can go to practice there's a great vibe there you can you know from here to that table over there from the one-on-one drills and and you get to learn these guys through the process if you really love the draft process see them in mobile then when you when you're watching the combine this week you know who Braden Fisk is because you 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 just saw him Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really a great week it's inexpensive it's a cheap trip Um, love to have everyone come down to mobile and and be a part of it and you and senior bowl on twitter where uh, where can they find you yeah at twitter we all we have instagram but but all the like our breaking news and all stuff i post is on twitter and, and so it's at senior bowl and at jim nagy underscore sb all right yeah, Jim, great good stuff, stuff, my man. Thanks, Enjoy guys. the rest good of the time in Indy. Yeah, Jim Nagy for the Senior Bowl. One more segment of Big Blue Kickoff Live from the Combine presented by Cadillac when we return. It's a thread. A love affair. I fell in love with the Giants. I saw LT run the touchdown back when they took the Detroit Lions. Phil Simms was my dad's guy. From generation? Eli was my guy. To generation. We are the New York Giants. My most used mode is laughing mode. My all-time favorite character of Marvel is the Black Panther. I feel like being the first black character. Me being able to see that at this phase of my life, I like to support him. One thing about me that a lot of people don't know is that I'm 20 years old. You're young. You're so young. (sighs) My biggest pet peeve is rushing. Rushing around, scrambling around, unorganized. Rush? You want to rush? Back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle, the New York Football Giants. Our final segment from our four live shows here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Schmelk Dettino, joined now by a new member of the Big Blue Kickoff Live family, Ryan Fowler. He used yep. to cover the Commanders. You saw him on a couple of Giant Huddle podcasts when he did that. Now he covers both college football and the NFL for Bleach Report. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me on. No, thanks for coming on, man. And, and you were over there all 
last four or five days, listen to all these prospects. Let's focus on today yep. because today was, was the fun stuff. This was quarterbacks and, <laughs> and wide receivers. What struck you the most listening to these guys at the podium today? Yeah, I think when you look at these guys speak, I think, look, you can you can watch the film for years, whether they've got, look, Drake May at North Carolina or Michael Penix going from Indiana to Washington. I think when you see these guys stand up there and speak as young men that are going to go into a locker room and be asked to lead not 19, 20, 21-year-olds, grown men with families and that that's what yeah. i think separates these young men speaking is just sitting there and listening to these guys and really getting a chance to be that gm or be inside that draft room a little bit and really get to know these guys and how they're going to speak to guys because look you can come into an NFL locker room, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're Jaden Daniels who won the Heisman or Caleb Williams where a lot of these guys obviously follow college ball, you're going to have to sell yourself to an NFL locker room, not just as a young yeah. man, but obviously on the field as well. So I, I really enjoyed J.J. McCarthy today. I thought he carried himself extremely well. Might as well be just Captain America. I thought he was going to have Absolutely. a shield behind there. <laughs> right. like he is just like, like, if you built like what a quarterback should say yeah. in a lab, that's J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. J.J. is extremely impressive. I mean, Even Blake Corum, his teammate obviously at Michigan State, He was great too. Yeah. extremely high of him, which is obviously good to hear. All the guys are going to talk well about their teammates, but J.J. McCarthy, look, is just the way he carries himself, the way he leads. Obviously, I do expect him to go inside the top 10, 11 picks in this draft. Mm-hmm. I think he's excellent. I think he's underrated in this class. For me, he is QB4 in this class. I think Jaden Daniels, obviously, Drake May and Caleb Williams, that's all the attention, but it's really that next tier, where those guys are going to go, and I think J.J. McCarthy, if he falls, let's say Justin Fields does not go to Atlanta, that offense with Zach Robinson, where that offense preaches efficiency with the playmakers they have there and they're going to add some guys possibly in this draft to pair with Drake London on the outside. I love that fit in Atlanta. I think J.J. McCarthy, I would love to see him in Atlanta. And NFC South Division guys, that's wide open at this point. And time. they wouldn't have to move to get him out Absolutely. They could probably sit and pick an eight for I him. think it's interesting when you were talking about the podium because every year when we come out here, I find myself at the end of the, the podium sessions writing down two or three guys and say they won the podium all week. I've been writing polished, polished, yeah, poised, true. professional yeah. on almost every guy I talk to. It is amazing to me, I, I used the word mature to Jim Nagy earlier, at how these guys really seem to get it. They seem to have all their things together, and, and, and it's across the board at all the different positions, right. not just the quarterbacks. And here's the thing, too, Paul, is that, look, we're in a different day and age now where these guys are getting media training from when they were in high school all the way right. through college now, mm-hmm. where way back when, when this combine was different, even just a few years ago, guys sure. from smaller schools, they would come up here and look like the, you know these, these bright lights in their eyes. It would, you, it would kind of showcase themselves in sometimes a bad light. Guys from all different levels of school, even a guy like Dylan, Loud from New Hampshire, who hasn't had a ton of cameras on him at all. None of that, like Alabama. True. The guy speaks extremely well, and I'm right there with you. Every single guy, and I'm sure we're going to see it tomorrow when the big old linemen step up and they speak, everyone has been extremely polished, as you mentioned, and speaks so well, not just of describing their own game, their teammates, and mm-hmm. what they're also going to offer as a young man in an NFL locker room. Other things that jumped out to me, uh, Jaden Daniels is very slender. Yes. I mentioned that with Nate Wiggins the other day. Yeah. Like, I, and I joked that he's like a cartoon where if he turns sideways, <laughs> disappears and Jaden Downs isn't quite that but he is he is slender we'll see what I don't think the weigh-in has happened for it yet we'll see what when that happens and how he weighs in um, from the wide receiver group I thought Jalen McMillan was really impressive yes. talking about the art of playing wide receiver uh, I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. ever came out today I did not correct nope. I did not see him I didn't think he did either I thought A.D. Mitchell and Troy Franklin were, were very polished mm-hmm. Lad McConkey was good as, as you would expect Keon Coleman I thought was was pretty good it's, yeah it's just such a mix of different and I like looking at the body types for these guys. I think mm-hmm. for the receivers especially. This, you want a slot? Lad McConkey, Roman Wilson. You want big guys outside? Adunzie, Keon Coleman. How about go the, down thick, the list. thickness of Leggett? Yeah, or the thickness of yes. Leggett. Thickness of, up, of, of, of up Malachi by. Corley, same thing. Yes. There is wide receivers for everybody in this class. It, it really is amazing, this class. And I even look at the Giants to where, look, I know you could say it really is the lollipop guild on the outside with the guys like Wandale Robinson and Darius Slayton of the world. And look, Jalen like Hyatt, right? So, yeah. Jalen Hyatt is yeah. not the biggest guy in the world. And everybody wants this X receiver. Is it going to be a Malik Neighbors at six? Is Romo Dunze going to be there? But when you look at day two and you mentioned a guy like Roman Wilson that plays much bigger than his frame. I know he's not the biggest guy in the world, but that day two bucket of Roman, Lad McConkey, guys even like Malachi Corley, as you get yeah. to that 
50-60 range. Guys that are not just going to be asked to threaten vertically every single time, but win at each level. And also, and Roman talked about it today, and he's talked about it in the conversations I've had with him in this pre-draft process, is doing the dirty work on the outside, not being afraid to block. And you have to with Michigan or you're not playing, dude. Absolutely right. <laughs> Absolutely. Doing the little things correctly away from being a dynamic receiver uh, that a guy like Roman Wilson, Lad McConkey are, and spe specifically in this Giants offense, where I, I just feel like they need guys that can not just be receivers and separate for whoever is under center moving forward the New York Giants, not just in 2024, but also guys that can be further extensions of the run game as well and, and diversify this Giants playbook under Mike Kafka. Yeah, I find that, you know, we, we talk about corners and receivers. Well, really, in today's specialization, you're talking about slots and nickels. You're talking about boundary uh, receivers, you know. And it seems to me that there's a wide variety of every flavor you want here. And that doesn't happen very often in the combine. Usually there's one, there's a bunch of slots. There are not many boundaries. But we yeah. see them across the board in this in this draft. Yeah, and I think it even talks about how the college game has evolved to where like, you're seeing a lot of the similar stuff into the NFL game. Now, even on the defensive side of the ball, where just a few years ago we talked about how hard it was to project guys out of the Big 12 in those 3-3-5 stacks. Mm -hmm. You're seeing that at the NFL now yeah. level as well, where there's outside of Baltimore and San Francisco, you're not seeing two linebackers in the middle of the field anymore. You're seeing teams get lighter, and well, sometimes there's guys that want to add some bigger beef in the middle. However, when you have these this wide receiver group and you want to diversify a playbook, not just east-west before the snap, like we've seen in the college level from teams like Tennessee under Josh Heupel and Washington and Kalen DeBoer, but now you're getting to the pro level to then expand north-south post-snap, and you have a quarterback that can maneuver with his legs, right. you're forcing every single defensive guy to cover every blade of grass. And I think that's what makes football in general just so fu darn fun to watch at the end of the day because look points matter we all love points defense wins championships we get that but there is a flavor for everybody and I think for every scouting staff in football that does their due diligence on guys not just round one round two but where you really win championships and NFC East titles for the Giants is going to be that later portion of day two and early portion of day three and especially mm -hmm. in this wide receiver bucket mm -hmm. I like talking to someone like you who doesn't just cover college football for the draft you just cover college football yeah. right who are some of the guys that you watch during the year that you think are really good players that now that all us NFL guys are into the mix and we're talking about these guys, yeah. and you're like, why are they talking about this dude more? He's a really good college football player. I think, uh, well, one pops to mind, that's Braylon Trice, the edge rusher from Washington. Oh, wow. And the reason why I say that is because he has a little bit of a throwback build to him where, look, he weighed in yesterday lighter so he could run lighter is what mm -hmm. I was told by his reps, but he played at 255, 60, 65 pounds at Washington, and he has that little bit of a power-laden game where he yeah. wants to win with his hands. and. Everybody wants that Dallas Turner 235 type of rusher that's twitched up, that can threaten each shoulder, no and then win with power, and that's fine. But I think about the Ryan Kerrigans of the world, and I think about how really the industry talked about George Karlaftis coming out of Purdue. That's a good one. And he's had yeah. an excellent start to his career mm -hmm. in Kansas City, where he's not the most athletic guy in the world, but he is a technician, and you can win with power in the points of your I mean, game. Even like a Trey Hendrickson, another Absolutely. guy, right? It's a similar type. Yes. Um, you mentioned earlier, when you were talking about McCarthy, you had him higher than anybody I've talked to all week. Yeah. You, 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 you're, you're really, really high on him. Yes. I wonder, where were you earlier in the season, or has this become a late bloom for you with him? Yeah, so I think it's going to be... All these guys are like a projection at this point of because the call, it's, it's tough to evaluate these guys, what they do at the college level, projecting to an NFL offense and really their correlating surroundings. And really you look at the Michigan offense because they're a throwback offense. They want to line up, condense formations, and get after people. And Sorry, really, ball. absolutely. And J.J. McCarthy wants to sit back, put that back foot in the ground, really a bucket step. You're not going to see a lot of seven-step drops from J.J. McCarthy, no. long progressions over the middle of the field. Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, or Colston Loveland, or mm -hmm. A.J. Barner. That's the Michigan offense. But when you project a skill set and that's why I really love the fit at eight. And really, when I look at JJ and say, look, two, three years down the line, this is a, this is a young man that's a leader. This is a young man that has a skill set that will translate well. I think he's efficient where the shallow to intermediate areas, he's excellent. I know we talk about Michael Penix in the deep ball. We talk about Jaden Daniels sitting back and throwing it to Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, which was really nice. But even for me, for Michael Penix, he, he has a, a middle round two grade for me. 
I have a lot of questions with Michael Penix yeah. heading into this draft, but J.J. McCarthy I think is, is a special young man, a special athlete, and I think he's someone that can come to an NFL offense and lead right away as a young man under See, center. See, the reason I brought that up, because it bothered me from the moment you said it, because no one has been saying that the, the Giants could even consider him at six because, yeah. oh, he's got to be down further than that. He's got to be 10, 12, maybe 15. Yeah. When you said what you said, I'm like, well, if the Giants think he's the eighth player on the board, then six isn't that far a reach. Yeah, I, and look, I will never flack an organization for going to get your guy. If that is your guy, then get him. And I would look at J.J. McCarthy under the bright lights of New York. I don't think that's a scenario to where I think he falls away from the lights. So like Similarly what we saw, unfortunately, with the whole Zach Wilson experiment right. in New York and with the Jets. But J.J. McCarthy, I think, is someone, obviously, these last few weeks we've heard a lot about continuing to rise on boards. But when you just look at the skill set that he has as a dual threat guy and just someone that wins above the neck before he ever wins below the neck, that's someone I think All that right. skill set's going to translate. Ryan, final question. We'll wrap up with the biggest story of the week. How do you have the top three quarterbacks stacked? Yeah, uh, it's going to be Caleb, Drake, May, and Jaden Daniels. Do you have May ahead of Daniels? I do. I so do. do I, by the way. I'm just curious what your reason is. Yeah, I do. And I'll start with Jaden Daniels. Um, mm-hmm. For me... Well, let's start with this. We got to stop with the Lamar Jackson comparisons for for Jaden mm-hmm. Daniels. It's unfortunate that we always compare players to the superstars of the league. That's a two-time MVP, and I know a lot of people like to compare it as a runner. Jaden Daniels as a runner takes away angles. A lot what Robert Griffin III did. He's linear. Absolutely. He's not as elusive as Lamar is. He's yes. more of a straight-ahead guy. Now, if we if we I line Jaden Daniels, yeah, and Lamar Jackson had him race. Jaden Daniels will win that race. But yeah. if you put cones and had him go around the cones, Lamar Jackson would beat Jaden Daniels, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't think it would be close. So in that offense as well, and I talked about it earlier, it was really nice to trust Brian Thomas and Malik <laughs> to sit back there and let them know they're going to separate. Why not? Deep. Absolutely. And that's fine. That's fine. But over the middle of the field, shallow, intermediate areas, when things condense, things get tight, guys around his feet, also, we talked about Anthony Richardson last year. A big physical guy. Will he be able to take care of his body? Jaden Daniels does not look like Anthony Richardson. No, he no. does not. Florida. No, he does and not. we know that guys on defense, first, second, third level, they see Jaden Daniels in space. They want to put him on his backside. He'll be hit. He will be oh, hit. Oh, yeah. RG3 knows all about that. Absolutely. I actually, I actually think Drake May is better at avoiding the rush than Jaden Daniels I, is, to be quite I agree. honest. I'm a May guy the all the way. Yeah. All right, so now I, how I about May? I, I, I really do like Drake May. He's going to be my solidified two uh, in this class. Mm-hmm. I think there's a separation between two and three for me. Drake May was not sitting back and throwing the guys, as I mentioned. North Carolina's offensive line by no means was, a mess. was one of the well. top five in football. Absolutely not. He was someone that had to consistently make plays outside of structure. But the thing that separates Drake May for me is his hips pre-snap. It little, you, you also saw that Sam Howell in Carolina, to where when he drops back, a lot of guys will close off their front shoulder. As a right-handed quarterback, they will see the right side of the field and the middle side of the field, and they very at limited time mm-hmm. have access to the left side of the field. Drake may at times will almost backpedal to keep his hips open to have full access to the field, and he didn't have a Josh Downs this year at least running routes. I know Tez Walker and that whole situation, he's someone I am lower on as well in this class. He's however. more of a vertical guy. Anyway. Absolutely. He's not going to get open at all three levels. Absolutely, right? but, but Drake May, I think, is a, is a guy that can target all three levels. I think he I has all it. the arm talent in the world, and I know that's the thing that we talk about a lot with making all the throws, but he absolutely can. NFL caliber, yes. middle Without of the field question. throws are all yes. over his tape. Absolutely. All over his tape. Yeah. Ryan, tell the folks where they can find all your work, man. Absolutely, yeah. I'm on Twitter. If they don't follow me already, underscore Ryan Fowler, and all my work is at Bleacher Report. Make sure you check it out. We thank Ryan for joining us. I'm going to really quickly go through it. Jim Nagy, Matt Miller, Connor Rogers, Paul Schwartz, Chris Chapasso, Greg Gassell, Trevor Sycamore, Art Stapleton, Brad Spielberger, Dane Brugler, Charles Davis, Sam Monson, Jordan Reed, uh, and then all of our giant huddles as well. Breathe, John. Breathe. Um, <laughs> Lanzier line, Daniel Jeremiah, Tom Pelissero, Mike Tannenbaum coming up next week. Cynthia Freeland, Charlie Weiss, that's coming up next week as well. Thank everybody for joining us. Uh, thank you to Michael Becton here. Thank you to Pearson Butler here. Thank you to Madeline for being with us. Thanks to Paul, obviously, and thanks to uh, Dom back in the shop and Charles back in the shop for doing a great job getting us on the air. All those great B-roll and graphics, that's all Charles Erdman did a great job. And Dom making sure we're on time and getting the callers in and doing all that stuff. Excellent job uh, from you as well. Thank you to everybody for being with us all week from Indy. We're coming home to beautiful New Jersey. We'll see you soon. We're back on Monday for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. And of course, stay tuned to all the great Giant Huddles on the Giants Huddle podcast feed. Go to Giants.com slash podcast or search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platforms to find those episodes. We'll see you back in Jersey on Monday, everybody. Have a great weekend. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 